Welcome to Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. Join me, your host, Sam Wiles, as we discover the history, the music, and the man behind it all, Paul McCartney. To get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Hi, 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 hello, goodbye, hey, hey, ho. Hey ho, and welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. I am, of course, your host, Sam Wiles. Thank you all for tuning in, and I hope you're all well, safe, and sound. Right, everybody, this is going to be a little quick intro uh, for you today, because this is kind of a, an impromptu episode. Okay, it was it was planned a little bit, but I did not plan to be doing a, a full-on episode about this at all. This is originally going to be a Patreon show. There's a friend of the show who you've probably seen in the title, and we were floating the idea of having a quick chat, and that would be for the wonderful patrons, the loyal patrons, and then that got pushed back, and then they ended up going to another Beatle thing, and so I thought, hey, why not double down on this concept and combine the two? Again, you've read the title, so you know what we're going to be talking about, the first of which is going to be... The music of Paul McCartney, or more specifically, Michael Dorff presents the music of Paul McCartney, which was a recent charity concert that took place at Carnegie Hall on Wednesday the 15th of March. And we're going to be talking about an even more recent get-together with The Fest for Beatle Fans, a Beatle fan convention that took place at the Hyatt Hotel in New Jersey from March 1st to April 2nd. And why exactly are we discussing these two topics specifically? Well, as you also surely know, my guest today is Skylar Moody. She's one of these new up-and-comers in the Beatles' new world media. And despite making me feel horrendously out of touch and ready for pasture, I've wanted to have her on the pod for a while now. And rather fortunately for me, being the modern-day apple scruff across the pond that she is, she's an ardent turner-upper to all things Beatles. And so she's our impromptu reporter in the field to fill us in on what's going on. Especially since, you know, I barely even leave my own little town, let alone coming over to the US. We've never really done anything like this on the show before, like like a whole episode just kind of like dedicated to news and events. Oh no, I guess we have, like with like the Mark Lewis and stuff, so, you know, this isn't totally out there. But I'm always interested in doing more news coveragey style stuff, so if you go to things, if you go to events, please do let me know, we can have a chat. Also... Just before we do start, the one thing that we do leave unanswered in this conversation is just how much money was raised at the the Music of Paul McCartney charity gig, which is quite bad because I do spend a, quite a lot of time goofing on the extensive ticket packages and prizes and stuff like that. So to redress some balance here at the top, I do want to point out that in all seriousness, Michael Dorff's tribute gig, the Music of Paul McCartney, did end up raising $140,000 for what the promos and advertisement kept referring to as underserved youths, but my dumbass kept reading it as undeserved youths, and I was like, well, why are they getting the money if they are undeserved? But yeah, it goes to a lot of very worthy causes, and, you know, they've done absolutely amazing work in raising all this money uh, for organisations like Grammy in the schools, fixing instruments for kids in schools, aka FIKS, the Centre for Arts Education, CAAE, VH1's Save the Music Foundation, Newport Festivals Foundation, and many others. So yeah, excellent stuff there. Wish I could have gone, wish I could have contributed in my own way, but you know, K sera sera. 
Anyway, folks, like Paul himself, I am intending to cling on to relevance off the coattails of younger people for as long as it takes. So let's just dive right into my conversation with TikTok sensation social media maestro and honorary Paul or Nothing reporter, Skylar Moody. Okay, now, so it's time for us to move on to our main topic of the day, folks, which means I have to introduce my guest and being that this is a kind of state of the union news-based episode i do feel like it is important for us to meet our 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 reporter our man in the field and this is someone who i'm finally excited to have on the, the podcast proper you may have heard us converse before on an episode of maca in your attic our sister show here at paul or nothing as well as an episode of ken michael's youtube channel we had a chat there a while back as well and I'm so excited for this, folks. This is going to be really fun. They are one of the eminent figures in kind of young person, Beatle media, new media. They are conquering that field. They're an accomplished musician, as well as one of the hosts of an excellent George Harrison podcast that I am absolutely addicted to at the moment. I've been going through all of them. It's called Apple Scruffs. Please welcome one of the Apple Scruffs. It is Skylar Moody. Skylar, welcome back to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Well, yeah, not welcome back. Welcome to the show. I am so happy to have you here. You know, there are so many people who I have on Macket in Your Attic, and I say to them, I'll get you on the podcast as well. And my hit rate with that is so poor. So I'm glad I managed to uh, stick the landing with this one. And let's just dive right in, because you've been a very busy person lately. You're becoming a bit of a Beatles socialite. Uh, you know, it's a it's like Beatles in the city. You're the Carrie Bradshaw of this Beatles exactly. New York oh saga. <laughs> it's been a crazy couple months. I don't know how I'm still standing on two feet, but it's also been very fun. And I'm very thankful for everything that's been going on. I'd like to think that in your inner monologue, it'd be like, I want to know if I'm a woman who can have it all. But it just means, can I go to this Beatle thing and that Beatle thing and that Beatle thing, you know? No, literally, because every like tiny little event that comes up that's anywhere near where I live, I'm like, I have to be there immediately. I have to be at everything. I have to meet people. I have to see people. And it's kind of overwhelming. But then it's like you get there and it's always a fun time. But then thinking about the process and just planning out everything, it's exhausting. I think we do need to um, do a little bit of privilege checking here. You are very fortunate in your locale. You're based in New York, right? New Jersey, but New, I'm right. New Jersey. Right. Yes. yes, I've seen The Sopranos. I get the jokes. I know the references. So, yeah, you are so fortunate because all of the people who I have on this show from the great United States of America, they 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 look at me with a very normal expression when they say things like, yeah, I drove... 14 hours to go see Paul McCartney. I drove 12 hours to go see Ringo across this giant country where for me, a half an hour trip down to my local town is just far too far for me. I'm, yeah, I've got exactly. a, a, a very hobbit mindset. That's what happens when you live near a city. Yeah. All these things come to you, right? Yeah, exactly. Anytime I, I take advantage of anything beatily that's happening in New York because, you know, it's right next door. Why not? And I'm guessing it's quite a common thing as well. You know, um, you've probably got more stuff going on there, Beatle wise, than Liverpool does at this at this point. It's uh, it's hard not to be jealous as a Brit. I must I must admit. I find that hard to believe. I feel like you guys have so much out there, like in Liverpool, London, because that's their homeland. And then, I mean, here it was just John's homeland, but you yeah. guys have all over there. You are in Beatle Central. <laughs> you don't quite have a hotel with their faces plastered on it, four stories yeah, no. high. No. 
I don't think they've got that suite set up in the plaza yet. <laughs> no, I am still waiting for that church in a, a flash forward moment on The Simpsons where there's the church of John, Paul and Ringo and they're, and they're all saints. I'm waiting for that building as well. Oh but let's start off with... Okay, so it was called The Music of Paul McCartney, or more specifically, Michael Dorff presents The Music of Paul McCartney. Uh, This was a recent charity concert that took place at Carnegie Hall on Wednesday the 15th of March 2023, and you were fortunate enough to attend. When did you first find out about this, and how long was it before you had secured tickets? I found out about it, I think, in November or December, and I didn't realize it was going to be as big of a deal as it was. Mm. I heard about it, and then, of course, my little social media working mindset was thinking, oh my gosh, I wonder if this is another project I can take on. Maybe I can girl boss my way into helping out to promote the event or do... Content, content, content. Exactly. (laughs) Anytime I see anything Beatles, just content is the first thing that comes to mind. But then I said, you know what? No, like I'm taking on too much right now. I'm kind of just going to put that at bay. Maybe I'll get a ticket. I'll see how the prices are. I don't know. And then I think I bought my ticket about a month beforehand and just in time Mm. because then a couple of weeks later they sold out completely. So I felt very lucky. So we we always talk about ticket prices here on this podcast, at least in relation to McCartney's last tour. And I actually went on the website and I just did a little copy and pasting here, looking at some of the packages you could get. General admission tickets were between $55 to $190. I'm guessing a lot of that is either yeah. up uh, the higher up and further back you go. But you could also get the Love Me Do VIP package for $375 includes a ticket of one of the best seats in the house, private box, first or second tier, plus you'll be on a very special guest list. Ooh, at the City Winery after the concert. Then there's yeah, a thousand... I was tempted. Oh. I was tempted, but I did oh, not. Okay. I had work this day, so that was the one thing holding me back. <laughs> Beatles fans at a winery. That's an interesting mix, that is. That could, that could get... I will be there tomorrow. We can talk about that in a little bit, but City Winery <laughs> back in the play for today's conversation. Oh, my gosh. Just everyone's listening to Blotto Beatles while they're getting sloshed. It sounds very good. Um, but oh, I want to be on the podcast. If you guys are listening, hit me up, please. I will. Uh, I will send them your deets. Thank you. But it, you know, even three hundred seventy-five dollars is nothing compared to how big it gets. There's a one thousand dollar one. Uh, there's a five course dinner party with, uh, with all the people that are going to be taking part. There's a band on the run, $3,000 package. This just sounds like my Patreon tier system. That's getting silly. Full access behind the scenes. You know, signed poster by all the artists. <laughs> then there's the A Day in the Life package at $15,000. W- were, you, were you tempted by this one? $15,000. I don't even have $15,000 to my savings account. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen $15,000. Oh, so you get to work with Michael Dorff, the founder of City Winery and producer of this series, two weeks before the show, you get to sit through and think of the set list for the show. If you'd pay 15 grand, what a ticket. Imagine if you went to see Avatar, it's like, if you pay $40,000, you can like change the ending if you want. We'll just put in a different ending, whatever you want. The prices I thought were absurd when I first looked at them, but I mean, all the money that is raised from that show was going to charity, was going to, I think, a music school in New York or just some music schools, it was a huge benefit thing. So I was like, yes. okay, that's good. At least I know he's not holding all of the money to himself. It's doing some good. But at the same time, I thought $15,000. Like I wish if I, if I girl bossed hard enough, maybe I could have gotten into work with him and not have had to pay a cent. But 
I was very overwhelmed, but oh my gosh, that would have been a dream getting to work on like producing a concert, working with the artists. I can't even imagine. I bet you five years ago though, they were like, yeah, you know, most, most expensive ticket was $500. And then they knew they were doing Paul. And it's like, okay, let's just see how much people are spending on his latest box set. Oh, they're paying a grand. Okay. Yeah. Let's just, we can, we Making can crack this up. Yeah. It's that Beatles premium, you know? Wherever you go in in any in any record shop, now no matter how tatty an old Beatles copy is, it's still going to be more expensive than anything else in there. That's, exactly, it's just how it goes. But this is an established venue. This isn't just any old little coffee, coffee shop performance. This is Carnegie Hall. Yes. Uh, this is practically down the street for you. I I, I imagine is that is it's that, a river away, but close yeah. enough. Especially if you swim, you know. <laughs> I mean, again, comparatively compared to most of the guests I have on the show, can you can you describe me this venue? Is it is it as grand as I'm picturing it in my head? It was pretty. It was my first time going there, and just immediately walking in, I thought, "Oh, this is very fancy." It was kind of like a smaller Radio City, and I only I've only seen Radio City a little bit, but it, like it was kind of giving that kind of vibe. It was a bit elegant, you mm. know, the fancy the red carpeted staircases leading you up to the top, the red velvet seats. And I just thought, oh, yeah, this is a very fancy venue for a concert, but I like it. And going off of the whole, I didn't think it was going to be as big of a deal as it was. When I was walking in, there were people outside saying, oh, can I get a ticket? Does anyone have a spare ticket? Like I want to get one. (laughs) Oh my gosh, do you guys think Paul is going to be here? Because I know for a fact, he's not even in the country. (laughs) But I think it must have been the artist lineup. But the venue itself was stunning. The sound was absolutely amazing i was completely blown away those people scalping for tickets they sound like the same kind of people who thinks that mccartney checks his own instagram comment sections you know that's oh like, god yeah <laughs> yeah so i think that's what we're dealing with here but so yeah folks this was a big charity gig you know Beatles fans have been aware of this format since george did it for bangladesh all those years ago it's all pretty self-explanatory uh, who were you most looking forward to? Because I know when this was first announced, there were several artists who uh, were announced. Then by the end, even more were added. And then even by the time the show debuted, even more people had been added. So who were you looking forward to and who were some of the surprises for you? The first name that stood out to me was Graham Nash, because I obviously know Crosby, Stills and Nash. So I thought, oh, my gosh, that would be so amazing to see him. And then Lake Street Dive as well. My parents are a big fan of that band. They've always been saying such good things about them, saying, oh, my gosh, like their voices are just incredible. It blows us away and blow me away. They did. They were incredible. The surprise guest, Patty Smith was the surprise guest that showed up. I didn't recognize her immediately, but her version of She's Leaving Home was probably the most stunning thing I have ever heard in my life. And I wish that I had gotten a personal video of it, but now it's just implanted in my brain. Now, I was so thankful when when I got back from seeing McCartney that someone had put the whole thing on YouTube and it's still there to this this day. I actually don't have to remember it now. Uh, I don't have to to use my brain for that. But Bruce Hornsby's version of I've Just Seen a Face. (laughs) My parents have seen Bruce Hornsby. See, I'm getting my music from my parents as you can see but his piano skills from where I was sitting I was very high up in the venue so I could look down and I was just seeing his hands going on the piano and it sounded incredible and I thought this is amazing and I got a video of that thankfully but just the all I can say is wow and that's an understatement even then so uh, where, where were you sat are you up in the rafters are you are you, are you, are you in the nosebleed seats I was in 
a little bit, there was, I was in the dress circle and I think that was one down from whatever you would call the nosebleeds, but it was still like, there's not a bad seat in the house, honestly. And from where I was sitting, it was great. So how long was the show? How many acts were there? There were 24. (laughs) The house band that kind of opened up in the beginning. I think it was about an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. It wasn't too bad. Everyone who played, every act who played only had one song. Okay. So it was just going through everything pretty quickly. And there was just so much diversity with it all that I loved. So what sort of acts did we get? Was there, because like when I was going through the list, the most um, um, obvious ones that jumped out to me was, you know, we've been out a bit like Peter Asher and Denny Lane. It's like, okay, this is going to be a lot of old established kind of rock and roll figures. Were there, was there a mixture of acts? Were there some younger ones there or was it mostly rock and roll intelligentsia, you know? Definitely there was a whole mix of it all. Like you had the younger artists, you had the older ones, and then even just like the styles of how they were performed. Like when um, I'm looking at the set list right now, when Sammy Ray did a cover of Heart of the Country, it was on ukulele. It was a very folky kind of okay. upbeat sound. Or then you have when Bruce Hornsby did I've Just Seen a Face. Like you know that, that song in itself is more like kind of like upbeat. It's very fast paced. And then he slowed it down for piano and it was more like a ballad. And then Jonathan Russell of the head and the heart, when he, when he sang, let him in just like, even like the choreography, he was kind of like moving and grooving with the music on stage. And just watching that was a show. Like you didn't even have to hear it. Like you could see that. And that was the performance. So this whole thing, to me, it seems like um, it was, it was very much based on, who is local are all of these acts local to new york new jersey that that kind of thing not confirm or deny i feel like it was maybe just whoever was available and willing or interested Mm. there might be a lot of people who live there was one um there was a group of kids from a local music school that had come on stage to perform something and i'm guessing they received part of the charity donations from the show they did a really cute version of get back and i think they got the most applause out of all which was very sweet and then you have the house band of the venue so obviously they're local to new york but then and then there was resistance revival chorus who did let it be which was incredible this beautiful gospel version of it they had everyone just clapping along it was great and i believe that they're close to new york as well again i cannot confirm so no one hold me to this no, I mean, this This thing's been going on for a while. He's probably got a lot of favours in with a lot of people. He's probably had many acts who have come back time and time again to because the, the, there have been so many of these. Um, I've gone through that in the uh, pre-recorded section. But please, I can't I can't wait any longer. Tell me about my boy, Denny. Did Denny do us Birmingham lads proud? Is he is he still doing band on the run? Is he uh, as as solidly as ever? His version of Mole of Kintyre was... Oh, Mole of Kintyre? Yeah, they did, he did Mole of Kintyre, and okay. it was great. They brought out the bagpipes and all, and it sounded fantastic. Oh, they actually did the bagpipes. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's that that that's nice. It's uh, it's. I always feel a little bittersweet, though, because, like, you know that he's not... He's, you know, he, he legally can't get any money for that. <laughs> oh, poor Denny. But it uh, sounded great. Everything, every single musical act blew me away. And I took a liking to everyone that performed. So there, there were no bomb notes. That's good. Not at all. Interesting. So, I mean, was it just the show? Was there an, an, an intermission? Were there any, was, did anyone speak? Was there like an introduction or anything like that? Or was it just a, like a gig from start to finish? 
they had a little introduction from um, Michael Dorff in the beginning who was introducing the show. And Paul had actually sent a message to him or to the venue, I guess, because he knew that the show was happening. So it was Paul saying, hey, I'm sorry, I can't be there. But, you know, all my love to you. This is a great thing. Something along those lines. So we got that in the introduction. But then after that, it was pretty much just every single musical act just kept going through. Maybe whoever was performing would say a couple of words before they started singing. But that was about it. It was just one after the other. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I know that I haven't seen this this uh, little, little message from Paul, but just going off how he talks in every single off-the-cuff thing, I know exactly how it, how it went. And you can predict it at this point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Thank you very much, everyone. Lots, lots of love. Take care. Bye-bye. Woo. <laughs> honestly this 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 sounds like a really cool show um i mean i'm I've, I've been going through a bunch of like live things that are in like my area and there's a paul mccartney tribute act coming there's a beatles one but it's like there's not a massive coming together of artists like this you know this does feel like something that was a little more on the special side um i mean obviously you know it's part of something a bit more established but to have all these artists come together and all these people come and celebrate Paul, uh, that's pretty cool. Oh, actually, oh, I, I, that's a lot of experience for sure. I will carry that with me forever. Do we know how much they raised? Actually, um, was well, that- I know that I know they said a number, but I cannot remember the. <laughs> amount. It was a lot, though. Everyone was cheering. I remember everyone was thinking, "Wow, great job!" It was but a it, number. It was a number. That's good. Because it completely sold out. So. When every seat in the house is filled and the prices only increase as you go down, then I think he probably raised a good ton of money, which I'm very happy about. And I'm happy everybody got to enjoy the music of Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. That's my horrible British accent for the day. Honestly. Then, whenever, whenever I try talking like a beetle, I'll just try to start talking like John. I gotta yes. get a little bit more, no, I got to get a little bit more nasally for that. There you go. <laughs> it was very I'm much- working on it. <laughs> No, 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 that was so good. It was, it was, it was very much like John in The Simpsons when, um, when um, uh, it, it's least through the sky, no diamonds, though. Yeah, it was very much like. Yeah, there you go. Watch out for the campy drawing of Queen Victoria. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Just looked up on here. Carnegie Hall, three thousand six hundred seventy-one seats. So even if quick bit of maths, three six seven one times fifty-five, the minimum they would have made is like $201,000 for loads of charities. There's like 10 or 12 that they're going to, again, I detailed that earlier. Um, all of them really cool, actually. All like, you know, um, youth music programs, which is such a good cause and no wonder everyone wanted to come. And now, folks, it's time for a quick little break in the proceedings here. I hope you've been enjoying the episode so far, but it is now time for a little bit of... Housekeeping! Starting off, what do we have in terms of the news for today? Uh, nothing earth-shattering, just a few little top-ups like the rest of this episode, really. Starting off, the famous statue of the Beatles in Liverpool, the one of all four of them, the bronze one, possibly outside of Lime Street, has been dressed in traditional Ukrainian clothing for the BBC ahead of the Eurovision Song Contest. The figures of John, Paul, George and Ringo are wearing white vish... Vishvankas, Vajvankas, and that will feature in the uh, coverage of the event next month. The embroidered shirts are traditionally worn on Vishvanka Day to celebrate Ukrainian tradition. Uh, I'm not sure what tradition. Uh, Liverpool is hosting the competition on behalf of the war-torn Ukraine, and Liverpool will be the host of the event on Saturday the 13th of May. 
So yeah, as always, folks, it's nice to see the Beatles' image of peace and love and tolerance is still being used in modern-day conflicts as well as back in the day. You know, that message is everlasting. Then in the news, we also have an archive of unseen Beatle photographs on their tour at the height of Beatlemania uh, have been put up for auction and sold for £5,000. That's a lot of money, folks, for some photos. <laughs> Dan Hampson, Omega Auctions manager, said that there had been an unprecedented interest ahead of the special Beatles memorabilia auction, stating... This proves that the market for Beatles memorabilia is as strong as it ever has been, and we're very happy to achieve some life-changing results for our vendors. Uh, other notable sales in this auction included a Please Please Me record signed by all four of the Beatles, which sold for 24 grand. I don't know why that wasn't the main headline, but whatever. And a geography school book from 1959, which belonged to our Macca, which sold for 14 grand. That's cool. Man, what would you find in that geography book? Uh, you know, uh, I really like France, and oh, this is the capital of Germany, and uh, Russia's this big. You know, what is Paul writing about in there? Only the most interesting things can be in a child's geography school book, obviously. Uh, maybe it'll tell us about what yesterday's really about. Though that wasn't the only auction that did well recently, as another complete set of Beatles autographs sold for more than three times the estimate at an auction house in Leicestershire. The sale at Gilding's Auctioneers in Market Harborough coincided with the 60th anniversary of the band performing at Leicester's De Montfort Hall. One complete set written on a police charge sheet, uh, which had an estimate of about £600 to £1,000, fetched for £3,400. The second set, on the front and back of an early publicity photo, sold for about £1,400, while the remaining set, which was given to the Northamptonshire base seller in 1964 by her boyfriend, fetched for £1,600. Then we've had some new Beatle audio turn up in the world. Uh, there's a British journalist named Samira Ahmed. You may have heard her on Iron the Egg Pod. She's uncovered a recording of a Beatles concert from 60 years ago. The whole thing is very... Uh, serendipitous as she was visiting Stowe Boarding School for Boys in Buckinghamshire and it had one of those plaques outside denoting that the Beatles had played there at the school's Roxburgh Hall Theatre on the 4th of April 1963 and she was asking around and she asked about the plaque and she found out about a rumour that one of the people at the show had brought a tape recorder and had recorded the whole thing and not only that, not only had someone done that, but that person was still at the school, maybe even was like the headmaster or something like that. But yeah, that person was still there at the school and they had the tape and they gave them to Samira and now she's unveiled them to the world. And, you know, every Beatles gig is like every other Beatles gig. I get that. But there are a, a, a few interesting deviations here. First of all, there's about 22 songs on the tapes, which shows that this was a kind of a longer gig than usual. You know, this isn't one of those ones where they're on the bill with Helen Shapiro and Roy Orbison and they only do like four or five songs. This is a full-on proper Beatles gig. But the main difference here is that George had apparently lost his voice during this show. And so Ringo had to do two songs in a row, which may have literally only ever happened at this gig, please write in if there are any other incidences of that. In the interview when she was on the radio as well, she also talks about how formative the experience must have been for young gay men in the audience. Remember, it was an all-boys school. 
And that's a take that I'd kind of like to hear more of. That does sound very interesting indeed. I don't think any of this audio has been released to the public yet. I think just a, a few people in person have heard it, but as soon as it's out there, you know I'll be putting it in one of these new segments for you folks. And then finally, everyone, to round things out, we have another tangential McCartney music release. This time it's a remix, and it's a remix of Say 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 from Pops of Peace by one DJ Kygo or Kigo. When asked about the project, DJ Kygo said, I'm absolutely honoured to work on a song that was made by two of the greatest musical legends of all time. Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson have meant so much to me as an artist, and I've been listening to their music since I was a kid. It's been a dream of mine to collaborate alongside these iconic artists, and I hope everyone enjoys the song as much as I do. And so do I. I hope you all enjoy it, folks. But hope isn't everything. Yeah, it's certainly a very interesting cover, and it certainly does healthily distinguish itself from the original, and it's clearly going for its own thing and its own style, and it's definitely working within a style that Say 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 was not originally meant to be presented in, and that's very cool. But, oh my God, is it ever not going to be to the taste of the majority of you listening right now? I mean, the majority of you aren't really even interested in the firemen, and so to hear this kind of club music uh, done through Paul and Michael does sound very weird indeed. I'm not even sure it's to my own tastes, but I can't call it bad because it's just not what I listen to at all. And yes, everyone, you can bet your sweet ass that after this new segment, we will be playing the song in its entirety before we get back to my conversation with Skylar. Also, also, this is actually not the first remix of Say 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 that's like been put out there. I'm sure many of you remember this one, but uh, I have fond memories in my youth of the track Say 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 brackets waiting for you. That's uh, wait in as in there's no G on the end and the four is in the letter four. And that's by a band from the UK called Hard Fire. And you can double bet your sweet ass that we'll be playing that at the end of this episode. Though I did get confused. I thought that there were zombies in the music video. But that's for a remix called uh, Somebody's Watching Me, another Michael Jackson uh, dance remix that came out in my youth. But I digress. Let's crack on with the rest of the housekeeping. To get in contact with the show, drop us an email at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Again, still very, very little correspondence going on at the moment, folks. Maybe it's because it's summer and everyone's going out now, but I'd like to hear from you. What's going on in your world, folks? What's going on with you and Paul McCartney and the Beatles? If you've got anything to say at all about our Macca, about the show, about episodes past or future, drop us a line at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Follow us on our Twitter page for daily updates and instant access, which is at McCartneyPod. That's at McCartneyPod. For bonus Paul or nothing written content, go check out the blog, which is paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by typing in Paul or Nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. Of course, YouTube is the place where you can find our sister show, Macca in Your Attic, where me and the guest go through their Paul McCartney slash Beatles memorabilia collections and have a wonderful chit-chat along the way. That's where I first met Skylar. And so if you want to go check out our first conversation together, go and find our YouTube page by typing in Paul or Nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. And if you want to help out the show right away, if you want to help out the show directly in a way that takes less than 30 seconds, please leave us some form of feedback, whether it's likes, thumbs up, stars, a comment, a retweet, sharing it on a Facebook page, sharing it with a friend, shouting it out of a window. If you can spread the Paul or Nothing word or give us some form of feedback, that would be most appreciated. It's all part of the game. It's all part of the hustle 
And if you don't feel like doing the next thing, but you want to help out, then that's what you can do. Thank you so much. But finally, if you want to help out the show directly, if you want to help the show grow, if you want to help you get new equipment, help expand the show, or even just keep the lights running because you like Paul on a thing so goddamn much, then please consider becoming one of our Patreon patrons. Of course, Patreon, as you know, is the platform by which you, the public, can support independent content creators such as moi. But it's not just a gimme. You do get your money's worth. You get two days early access to all episodes of Paul or Nothing. You get one week's early access to all episodes of Macket in your attic. You get access, uh, instant access, to the Paul or Nothing video feed. So, for example, my conversation with Skylar was recorded over Skype, and that's been up on the Patreon for several days now, unedited, uncut, you know, stuff from before the recording, stuff from after the recording, stuff you'll never hear anywhere else. That's all there. There are lost and deleted and bonus episodes of Paul or Nothing that are on there. You get access to all of the scripts, and there's even the exclusive Patreon bonus vlog series, where not only do I do bonus episodes, I do it on camera as well. Today, I'm uploading the 18th one of them, where I'm going through uh, Wing's own version of Hey Jude. You know the Hey Jude compilation album, where it's like the bottom of the barrel, all the stuff that wasn't released? I've done that, but with Wing's at the end of their tenure. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. There's also a little uh, bonus vinyl update as well, if that's your thing. But yeah, folks, you get loads of stuff on the Paul or Nothing Patreon. It helps keep the show running. It pays the bills. It keeps me flooded in that sweet, sweet vinyl. If you like what I'm doing, if you've got a spare dollar or two, then please throw it my way. I'll be most appreciative. And before we go right back to our conversation, I just want to give a quick shout out to all of those wonderful Patreon patrons who make this possible. People like Stephanie Bradley, Louise Overberg, John Carp, Brian Brigman, Annie McNeil, Percy Thrillington, David Stabersky, Andy Cochran, Guy Jenkinson, Nancy Twoey, Christopher Newman, Mrs. P, Roderick Harper, Chris Atkinson, Mr. Bowie or Bowie, I'll never learn, Richard Binnington, my editor, Teresa Brader, Stuart C, Cheryl McCoy, Lou DiLonardo, Robert A. Carabelli, Warren Butson, Cheryl McCoy, Cheryl McCoy again, is she, is she with me twice? I hope not. Uh, Cheryl, uh, check out your uh, subscriptions. I think you might be with me twice here. And my main man, Matt Phillips. All right, everyone, let's get back to my conversation with Skylar, because we're now going to be talking about the Fest for Beatle fans. Let's go.
was part one that was originally going to be like a little probably just patreon little bonus episode but fortunately we've got enough content here again content content that's all that this is folks exactly. uh, to uh stretch this out for at least double the time shall we say uh fortunately being the uh carrie bradshaw of beatles that you are you were fortunate enough to make your way over to the 2023 fest for beetle fans Oh, yes. Um, there are so many fests and Beatle Fests with similar names. This is specifically Fest for Beatle fans. Always good. Uh, this is their 49th year. Uh, apparently, it's the longest running celebration of the Beatles anywhere. And yes. what was it held right there? This is the third year, I think, at the Hyatt Regency in New Jersey on uh, the Hudson. It's, yeah, I think it's, it was it's, the fifth. The fifth. I think I think 2017 was their first year. 2018, I was there for a day, and then they had it in 2019. And then for two years, it was canceled. And then they had it there last year, and they had it there this year. So I believe it's the fifth. Mark, if that's wrong, I'm sorry. You can yell at me. <laughs> I'm just picturing rather than COVID, it was the mob that shut down Beetle Fest for, for two years. <laughs> they had a, well, they had a virtual fest. It was not at the hotel, but they still had something. I remember that virtual fest actually. Um, I did not go to that one, but I'm happy that they had that. No, no, no. Something it to bring people together that year because we needed it. I mean, we, it, it was that and the uh, Get Back Doc. I think that's that's what got, oh, yeah. us, got a lot of us through it as well. But yeah, talk me through this. This is basically Comic-Con for the Fab Four, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's all about, I mean, dress up and all for some people, but it's it's a place you can go there, you can make any Beatles reference, and people are just going to get it. That's the beauty <laughs> of it all. I could just walk in there. I could be talking in a British accent all weekend. Nobody's going to think anything of it. If I do that out on the streets, <laughs> I will get stares. So it's really just beautiful to be able to go there and you're with the fans that get it and you can geek out about the music, about the albums, about anything that's going on in the community. And you have those people there in person with you now rather than online. And it's honest, it's a big shock because I keep forgetting that there's actual people out there in the world who love and treat the boys the same way that I do. So then when you're in a room with people and they're right in front of your face, you're thinking, oh my gosh. You know, like, I'm not crazy. I've got this community out there. So for a whole weekend, it's just pure bliss like that. And I look forward to it every time. It's funny you should say that because whilst uh, 
I've I've actually had several invitations from other podcasters to make the trip over the pond and come to the Beatle Fest. But ironically, I should. Please. Next year, you got to next year. It's at JFK Airport. It's the 50th 50th anniversary of the fest and the 60th anniversary of when they flew into JFK. So you've got no excuses. No, but I'll I'll only do it if when I get off, I get get the photo and everyone's like crowded and screaming at me. I'll make sure of it. I'll organize that. I'll get every single staff member to come down. We'll just have our cameras. But then... I want four costumes and I'll stand in each of the positions like that in the, for the, Perfect. yeah. You've got it. All right, we'll make it happen. Oh God, I can't do that plane ride. I can't. Oh no. I, I mean, definitely oh. that would be a long one, but would it be worth it in the end? Yes. It's a Beatles, Beatles Comic Con right oh. there. You the, the, the husk of a man that would emerge from that, from that plane. I'm, I'm not sure. I've got you'd... a year to talk you into it. Less than a year <laughs> actually. Oh, everyone else is going to be doing the exact same thing. But um, I was actually down in London at um, the Yu-Gi-Oh! Championship Series tournament at a very similar kind of kind of venue at the uh, XL Arena, this this giant place. And there was about 3,000 of us there. And I had the exact same kind of feeling. I was like, oh, wow, all 3,000 of these people are the same kind of weird as me. And it is a wonderful feeling. And You're very at home. <sighs> I can't say I'm not excited to get that same kind of feeling with Beatles stuff. I've had it in small waves. I've had it in little moments here and there. But to be confronted with thousands of people like me, that's actually quite a scary prospect, actually. I it's, hope so like fun, it's only overwhelming if there's a lot of people there. Like if you're a content creator or you've just like put stuff out about the Beatles, if people recognize you and they're familiar with it, it's like, hey, Skylar, hey, Skylar, hey, Skylar. And I'm like, ah, I've never had so many people trying to talk to me at once. Oh, but you're appealing to my vanity now. Um, I've only ever been recognised once, and that was at Mark Lewison's Hornsey Road. Um, oh, I saw Mark Lewison at first. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, I'll just catch the play with Mark. Just sat next to him the, the <laughs> entire time. So anyway, go. told me about part two. So anyway, talk to me about part two. Yeah, uh. <laughs> He's working on it. Yeah. He is working. Do you want some help? I'll help you right now. Let's start. Um, no, that's what I should have done. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm going to be the next Mark Lewison, ladies and gentlemen. No. I might be. I might be in competition with Elliot Roberts, but maybe the two of us together can unite. If you I defeat to be him, battle. if you defeat him in armed combat, you get to become the new Lewison. Though that's that's how it works, and you've just got to yes. sneak up upon him from behind and attack <laughs> savagely. You know, rah, ah, exactly. goes down. I'll I'll get it out quicker than you. Uh, <laughs> I'm finding tactics from the Help movie, and maybe that will help. Get my <laughs> bucket of red paint and try, just go. Marlus has got a giant giant ring on his finger. You've got to get it off. You know. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh god, that that would be a movie. That would be a movie. So, um, and you hinted earlier this is this was not your first fest. Um, you've come. Oh. Uh, this takes place over three days. You came for like one day before, was it? But you did the whole thing this time. When I was when I went there in 2018, my parents bought me a day tripper ticket, as they call hey, it, for the fest for a birthday present. So they took me there, and I was just just like star eyes the entire time because I never knew that there could ever be a Beatles fan convention. And so I'm like, look at all this merch, look at all the music, look at all these famous people. Oh my gosh, I was so just crazy teenage mm-hmm. fan girl the entire time, and I still am that way a little bit. But now 
as of the Chicago Fest last summer, I'm officially a staff member. I help run their social media. So now it's like I'm becoming friends with these people that I've been looking at and looking up to for years. So that jump is just crazy. Do you get a cool badge that says staff on it? I do. I have oh. it in my room. It is not with me now, but wait, I will show you a picture. And <laughs> this is a video cast for anybody going out there. Then you will see oh. this picture as well. But this is why you pay for Patreon. Like oh. oh, where is it? No, because for me, uh, like, oh, it's gonna be bad. there you go. Oh, it's official. You've got the lanyard and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh. it's funny because then walking in, you always, every time you walk past the check-in desk to go to the main rooms and everything, there's the other staff members that are, that they might not recognize you and they'll be like, where's your wristband? Because all the guests have wristbands and I get to flash them the badge. <laughs> They're like, oh, yep, you're good. Go ahead. And then eventually by the end of the weekend, they know me. So, but it's just cool to be able to do that. And something I never thought of because I discovered the fest as a teenager and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like this sounds so cool. Like it's like a, it's Beatles fan paradise and it still is to me. And then I remember that first time that I went there, when I was walking around with my mom, she was noticing the, what we call the blue shirt staff, because they're the ones that are maybe running the registers, they're selling the merch, they're standing by the stage doors and everything. And she kind of nudges me and she goes, see, like, you should try to work here. You could apply to work here. And I'm thinking, no, like, I don't want to work an event. Like, I want to come here to have fun. You know, I don't want to work. But then even now that I'm technically working at the event, I'm still having, I'm having more fun than I probably would have had just as a regular attendee because I get to go like talk to certain like artists that are performing. I get to be right in front of the stage, just grabbing videos and pictures for the social media. I get to be on the end of the stage on that final night singing Hey Jude along with everybody. And I'm thinking, I if you told 15 year old me where I would be today, she would never believe it. And I'm still in shock all, all the time, honestly. To quote you, that is some girl boss hustle there. That is. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> we made uh, it. We're still going. But Jojo we made Lane it. got nothing on you. You know, you can get from <laughs> A to B very, very quickly. And you didn't have to be a Coke dealer to do it either. I'm very proud of you. Oh, thank so you. Um, you, were, you, you mentioned something there that I actually didn't know about, though. Um, so you're, you were doing some social media for the, uh, the fest. Tell me about that. Yes, I am. I have gotten added on to their Instagram and Facebook pages. My, you could call him my boss, Danny. He's the main social media guy for the fest. He's constantly posting on there. For me, it's really just for the weekend, maybe a little bit after, but I get to work with him a little bit. He plans out this entire schedule thinking, oh, like, I really want to capture this. I really want to capture that. Like, here's where I'm thinking about going. You know, here's where you can go because I'm going to be here. So we had a whole system worked out and his one line to me, his one bit of advice for the whole weekend was just do cool shit. And I thought, okay, perfect. That's all I got to do. I just do my thing. And, you know, I like not having like this like super tight schedule, like pose on me. I like being able to just walk around, capture a little bit of everything, do whatever I want to do, and then have that content for social. And I think it all turned out pretty great. Uh, My work and Danny's work. How much of it did you kind of release live and how much of it did you save later for editing and releasing as something else? Most of it live was, I was capturing a lot of whoever was performing on stage. So all of that, I kind of posted immediately. And then the footage that I have for after, this isn't technically like anything official that I have to do, but I have my TikTok account. So I was kind of like capturing little bits here and there to post. I have my vlog that's going to be coming out on my YouTube channel. So then that's all the after footage. And that's just... A little bit of extra just to keep myself busy. And I thought, you know, 
Like I'm doing the work here for the social media, but I know that I can do so much more. So then for my own audience, I'm giving them kind of a little inside scoop on what it looks like to be at the fest for a weekend. And I think everybody's enjoying it. At least I hope everybody's enjoying it. Uh, it's nice that you didn't have a, a, a very strict quota or anything mm-hmm. like that. Cause if you can't enjoy the, uh, the, uh, yeah. the I was working it and I was enjoying it at the exact same time, which is so, exactly what matters in any job. Describe it to me. What are the, where are the stands? Where are the stalls? Where are the stages? Seating, oh, food, boy. fire exits. Take, take me through this place. Okay. okay. Let me just pull up an entire floor plan. Of no, I want a blue, city. I want a blueprint schematic like in Jurassic Park. We're all huddled oh, over here. All right. Well, when you go up, you're up in the lobby and the check-in desk is basically right there. And then once you walk past that, it leads you to mainly like this is where everything is because it leads you into the main ballroom, which is where the big stage is. That's where all the main music acts are. That's where all the special guests go to talk. And then they have small rooms around that area. Like there was a karaoke room. You could like make (laughs) your own DVD to take home. I did not do that because if I sing, everyone's ears will bleed. Mm -hmm. There was the discussion room where I spent a majority of my time because I was on some panels. So that's where the whole panel discussions are held is in that area. And then they had Patty Boyd had her her own personal signing room as she should. And there were so many people. That line was wrapping around, let me tell you. It was insane. Then they had uh, a video room. They were there showing like documentaries. There were video presentations, music videos. They had an art gallery where fans were submitting their work for the contest for the weekend. Like they had some collage prints that were made. It was fantastic. And that that's about it for that area. Because then you go up to the ninth floor. Very fitting. You go up to the ninth floor and then they have what's called the Apple Jam stage. So that's where they have a lot of um, smaller kind of local acts performing up there. You can kind of just like walk through, sit down, you know, listen to whoever's playing. They have also in that area, very inconveniently because it gets very loud, but they have the author signing tables. But then whenever you're trying to talk to someone, it's like, oh, yeah, like this is my book. I wrote about this. What? (laughs) <laughs> no, I wrote about that. What? Like you're just you cannot hear whatever people are performing. It's like you cannot have a normal conversation. My gosh. But then you go a little bit further in, there's a much bigger ballroom and right like the Manhattan skyline is right there. So the views itself are astounding. But that's the shopping area where I have to be very careful with how much I'm spending because mm. I could walk home with that entire marketplace. They've got the main fest one and then Next door, they have the dealer room, which is a lot of local vendors who are selling collectibles and memorabilia. And they're all very sweet to talk to. Like, they each have their own little story. So I like to spend a lot of time just browsing their selections. And even if I don't buy anything, it's nice to just kind of hear how long they've been coming to the fest, what they know about it and their story. And it's amazing. Come on. Did you walk away with any merch this year? Uh, I did, but not as much as last year. Last year, I went to town, both in New (laughs) Jersey and in Chicago. I had a whole carry-on bag coming home from Chicago on the plane, just filled to the brim with merch. And this time, I only walked away with two books, one of them being Patty Boyd's My Life in Pictures that she signed to me. And I still have the video of me meeting her. I cringed a little bit, but (laughs) I've got that memory. I have that book. I got uh, another rock and roll book. I think it was... It was Mysteries in Rock and Roll, which I'm very excited to read about. And I walked away with a few albums. I got Mind Games. I got Dark Horse. Mm. I got the Help soundtrack with all the instrumentals, which I've been wanting. And then I also got a Motley Crue album, (laughs) which 
Uh, not surprising. They are my second favorite band, but they had, there were stands where vendors were selling vinyl records that were maybe just like rock music in general. Like it wasn't specifically Beatles. And I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to take a look. Like, what are the odds that they've got something? And they had an unofficially released Motley Crue album of them performing live in Pasadena, California in 1982. And I said, I have never heard of this. I've never seen it. I must buy it immediately. And I think that's verbatim what I said to the man that was selling it. And he goes, okay, yeah. That sounds awfully uh, similar to a bootleg. They don't do that at these places, do they? I thought you had to go to secret hotel rooms and learn a knock and a handshake. There were only, well, that album specifically, it was only, it was limited to 500 copies. Mm. So I don't know how bootleg it is, but oh, I think okay. it was in Europe originally. That's what I found from my research. But I'm happy to own it now, and it sounds great. That would be something I'd be very interested in doing, just going on like a kind of private eye dick noirish. Uh, journey into the underworld to try and find these these low lives selling bootlegs, you know. And then there's like a femme fatale. I do want to know. Like she was a dame. She knew where the vinyl Literally. was. <laughs> I had I had to find out. Yeah. And I also burning. came home with a with a Beatles beanie baby. The mag- oh, the, there we go. The yellow magical mystery tour one, and that is now my son that I have officially adopted, and he is sitting <laughs> on my bookshelf, and I love him dearly. I'm glad you had something frivolous in there. That, that those were all quite serious items before, but I feel like you need to throw in a teddy at the end of everything. You know I what do. I mean? He was just sitting there on the table, <laughs> so lonely. And the guy who sold it to me saw I was staff, and I got it for five dollars cheaper. Oh, because uh, I got I... to talk to him about everything that was going on that weekend. So you just got to be. If you want to get things for cheaper, ladies and gentlemen, um, this when I went to Alton Towers recently, uh, you got to be friendly and you got to be talking with them. You just right. got to strike up a conversation, get to know each other, and then they'll give you a discount, whether yes. you're staff or not. That's what you got to do. Just be friendly and social. That is some American psycho shit right there, Skylar. That is, <laughs> if you're nice to That's people, you, you can do. manipulate them. You can manipulate them financially. I would have paid full price for that. It was twenty five, <laughs> but you know, five dollars off isn't bad. Uh, recently, I went to Alton Towers and I, I got uh, a little Mando. So I was very, oh my God. I was very happy. That's to... your son. <laughs> Don't ever talk to me or my son again. I captioned that. Oh my gosh! I posted. <laughs> I took a picture. No, I'm just shit. You not? Oh, we both did the obvious meme, and yes. I posted it on Twitter and I said, "Don't talk to me or my son ever again." Brownie points to us. Brownie points to us. <laughs> yes. What are the food and drink facilities like? This is important to me as a Brit. Okay. Well, obviously you're in downtown Jersey City. So there's a lot of just like, you know, your local restaurants or bars or just, you know, chain places out there that you can get food. You're not, it's not exclusive. You're not required to eat at the hotel alone. Like you can go out and explore. So I did, I got a sandwich from Subway. So exciting. (laughs) And then Carrie Bradshaw indeed. (laughs) In the hotel they have, I mean, it's quite expensive. The food bills add up because they've got a whole, they've got a whole buffet. They have a bar with bar food and everything. They have a little, you know, grab and go station that has sandwiches, salads, drinks, fruit, snacks, all that good stuff. And it adds up. Believe me. Did, so <laughs> did you stay get a sandwich? Did you stay at the hotel or did you commute? I stayed at the hotel because if I was commuting, I mean, even like with without traffic, it takes me at least 30 to 40 minutes to get to the hotel. So with mm. traffic, if I was doing that every day, that would have been insanity. Awesome. No, no. And you know, it makes it more of a little weekend excursion. Yeah, it's like a vacation. No. So um what what's what's the attendance like? What are the demographics? What's the age range, most importantly? 
I mean, definitely a lot of first generation fans, second generation fans. You've got that older crowd, but there were, and then they bring their kids. So then you've got like the whole little like very young crowd. And then in terms of people my age around their teens or 20s, I saw a lot more this time around than I have in the years past. So it was nice to be able to kind of, no pun intended, come together with my fellow Gen Z, millennial, Gen Z, I guess you could say. I had that nice little crowd. I brought, I, co- I convinced a couple of my friends to come to the fest too. And we all had a great time there. No, it is a very kind of uh, post uh, Disney Plus get back uh, environment. With the, oh, yeah. the, you know, a lot of, a lot of the uh, recent concert goers have said similar things, which honestly is encouraging as as well. You know, they're selling in the store still. They're still selling out arenas and now these fests are doing really well as well. And so, I love younger generation and a lot of people actually my age didn't even know it was a thing even people in my area because i would be post i'm posting about it mm. on tiktok and everyone's saying what is this like i've never heard of it like they could say i'm from chicago and i've never heard of fester i live near new york city and i never heard of it and part of me thinks how but then the other part of me thinks oh well now you know about it and now i can get the younger crowds coming in because that's what it's all about and that's why you were hired for social media, Skyler. That's exactly. Why, oh, my gosh. You were seeing results right there. You can put that in your report. I will. Mark, <laughs> if you're listening, you are getting results from me. People are loving it on TikTok. And I think your attendance is only going to skyrocket from here. It is in no. good hands. No. All we have to do is is find someone to trip off a stage at Beatles Fest and you can put that Shangri-La's, oh, no, boom, over it. And no, then... someone, oh, my gosh, not <laughs> even kidding, not even kidding. Someone fell off the stage at, I think it was it was the Saturday night show. One of the drummers fell, fell backwards off the stage. I'm not kidding. He's okay. Oh. Thankfully, he is okay. But I was sitting in the audience watching the show, and then all of a sudden one of the band members says, is there a doctor around here? Like, <laughs> And I thought, I didn't know if they were kidding or if they were serious. I'm like, is this just a way to introduce Dr. Dr. Robert? Robert. I don't know what's going on. But no, they were being fully serious. And, you know, because my my badge, I kind of snuck a little peek backstage just to think, like, what is going on? And I didn't see anything other than people just huddled together talking. And then I got some information the next day about how the drummer had kind of fallen backwards off the stage. He had to get stitched up a bit. But he's okay. Nothing else bad happened. He is in good health. (laughs) Speaking of drummers, uh, of course, one of the big draws is the musical acts that come here. Be honest with me. Are these quaint, quirky little oddities or are these actual proper musical performances that have a good production and sound? Definitely proper, definitely proper musical. We had Liverpool, who has been the main musical act there for so many years. They sound incredible. Shout out to um, Glenn and John, my two buddies, who are also in The Weaklings, another band who performs at the fest. And I was in one of their music videos, little shameless self-promo there. Go watch their music video for I've Just Seen a I'll put the link in. Stop. But no, they they are both great. Um the Black Ties, who are a new group that are performing at Fest, they won Battle of the Bands in 2019. They perform a lot of the early Beatles hits. They give off very Cavern Club Hamburg vibes for the Fest. So that's a little bit of a break from all the traditional sets. And then really everyone else, it's just kind of like rotating in and out. You know, you've got like the younger acts, you've got the older acts. But I mean, everyone just sounds great. There's no bad act that comes on that stage because everyone that they get just brings a tremendous amount of talent and you get that diversity whether it's in age or whether it's in sound you get 
everything together all at once, and it's great. Did you get to see any of the famous faces, like Lawrence Juba or anyone like Lawrence, that? Lawrence was not there for Jersey City this year, but I did get to meet Joey Moland of Badfinger. Oh, wicked. Amazing. I'm now starting to look into the band's story more, and it's really depressing. Like, oh, I want to yeah. go back to him now and say, sir, are you okay? <laughs> He's a very tiny little old man, and I just want to say, come here, let me give you a hug. Are you okay? But he sounded incredible. And then Terry Sylvester of the Hollies was there, and of course now I'm listening to more Hollies music now because I was listening to his set all night on Sunday. So that was great to see. And then Mark Rivera, who's played with Ringo before, he was mm-hmm. going out with his saxophone and everything, and, and he was playing the cowbell. He's a very great cowbell player. <laughs> They were all jamming together on mm. Sunday night for that final show, and it was so great. Of course, you weren't just there socially and for fun. You were there professionally as uh, one of the speakers as well. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, who were you with? What, what, what were you talking about? What were the crowds like? And we'll talk about other elements of it in another portion of the show. <laughs> I, I feel like I know where this is going. I was on... Three different panels. I had one on Saturday, two on Sunday. Saturday's was a new panel that one of my friends, Ken Womack, was moderating. He's a professor at Monmouth University. And he invited me to be on it. It was called Researching the Beatles 21st Century Style. So it was me, uh, my friend Ethan, who's about my age, um, one of his students, Carly, who I actually met a couple months back at the McCartney Legacy book signing at the Grammy Museum Experience in Newark. So she was on that panel as well. So I had two people my age and then a few of my other fest buddies who are a little bit older, but we just talked about what it means to be researching the Beatles in the 21st century, how we got into the Beatles, what our motivation is and everything. And that I think was my favorite panel I was on the whole weekend because it was just such great conversation. It was a different moderator than who I'm used to because usually Wally Pedrazic and Susan Ryan are moderating and I love them to pieces, but it was great to have Ken as a moderator. I think he did a fantastic job and we had a good turnout for that. And I had a lot of applause and cheers and a lot of people, you know, just people in general agreeing with everything that we were saying. It was fantastic. And then Sunday comes around. We have the media panel, the general media panel. And I think Ethan and I were the youngest ones on there because I know, um, off the top of my head, Joe Mayo was on it, Kid O'Toole, Andy mm-hmm. Nichols, Rob Leonard, Darren DeVivo, a lot of radio and media guys. And there was a little bit of an altercation on that media panel in the beginning because someone was talking about one of the radio guys was mentioning how, oh, like there's young fans out there, you know, like they're not going to connect to the music because the, the Beatles aren't being played on the radio. So they're not going to connect to it in the way that they connect to Katy Perry, blah, blah, blah. And I stepped in and I said, excuse me, sir, on behalf of the Gen Z, Gen Z Beatles fandom, I can assure you we are greatly connecting to the music. If you take one step on TikTok, on YouTube, on Instagram, you will see it is stronger than ever. And he was just kind of like arguing back with me thinking like, oh, yeah, well, they're not being played on the radio. And I'm like, does it matter? Do they have to be? Radio is dead, old man. Don't worry about it. Literally, do they have to be playing on the top radio stations in order for them to be recognized as one of the most influential groups of our time and of all time? No, they don't have to be constantly up on the radio. And I think that kind of shut him down a little bit. Because he backed off a little bit and he actually started agreeing with me on some points later on. And I thought, oh, how the tables have turned. But in general, it was another one. Great conversation, great turnout. 
That I kind of like having my blood boiling a little bit. I was like, nope, that gets me fired up. It gets me ready to discuss. Let's go. Unfortunately, that's not the end of that little altercation, though. Um, f- oh. f- folks out there may be aware of, um, I'm not even going to say he's that well-known in the uh, sphere, but there's a guy named Invisible Ray. I've known <coughs> about him for a, a few years. Um, my French. You're excused. No, really. <laughs> and... Um, he's a guy on YouTube. He doesn't show his face. I, several people have actually show, sent me photos of his real face. I, we, I could dox him if I wanted to, but I won't. We'll be a little nice to that. He's a, a, Be- a Beatles commentator, and he talks a lot about Beatles YouTubers and occasionally podcasters, that kind of thing. Bit of a whiny, grumpy, jean jacket kind of guy. And he made uh, a video about this little spat you had with this gentleman, or should I say aggressive negotiation uh, conversation. And you're in the thumbnail, woke and idiots are in it. Uh, You've got the classic YouTube red circle around you. How does it feel to be famous? You're a star now, kid. Oh God, I've made it. If people are making hate content about me, Mm. that's how you know. Mm. That's how you know. And even reading, I read some of the comments. That's so 21st century. That's so poignant. People are saying, oh, when she immediately was like, excuse me, I got this shrill down my spine. Oh my God. And I thought, oh good. Then the way that I'm speaking, you know, it's affecting someone. (laughs) I never thought that I'd make it this far. Mom, dad, I made it. I'm getting hate videos. It's great. I really, I'm more mad about the fact, I don't give a shit what that man has to say about me or yeah. any kind of, or what any of his followers have to say about me. I'm more mad at the fact that he's getting away with making all of this content about me, about my friends that I've made at the fest. Yeah. And I've had people coming at me saying, no, he's been around for years and he's been doing this. I'm more mad at the fact that he's getting away with that for so long and that there's people who support it because they all have to be sick in the head. And I've been disgusted about that the past few days. No, there definitely does seem to be... I mean, I mean, it's the same with every fandom. There's always an ugly un, undercurrent and, you know, a lot of his fans seem to be uh, trolls or people who like to think yeah. they're trolls when they're actually just being a bit dickish. Um, it's always very negative. Like, there's a, a Star Wars content creator called Doomcock and all of his posts are about how Star Wars is woke now and how the, the management are going to be replaced by all the old dogs who did it before. It's all negative, negative, negative. And it's so depressing. And it's yeah, like, guys, what, 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 what are we doing here? What are we doing here? And in the Beatles fandom, like, obviously, not to get all cheesy, but the Beatles fandom, it's peace and love. That's <laughs> what it's always been about. We've always been this very welcoming, like, amazing community. But now you've got, like, the few assholes out there like that. And it's, why are you getting so much joy out of spreading this hate? Why are you getting so much joy out of making fun of the way people speak, the way people look, like the way they dress? Why mm. does that fuel you so much? Yeah, these these are the kind of people who are, re- who are really against uh, Billy Preston being the fifth Beatle. No, it was George Martin. Don't ask me why. It was definitely George Martin. He's the fifth Beatle. It was Beatle. actually Brian Epstein, but that's <laughs> <laughs> To each their own. George is no. my second. Honest, honestly, like I've, I've had hate mail before and I love reading it out on the show. I've even had someone make a video about me on YouTube in a positive way before, and that was great. But I am kind of jealous that you've had some hate content made about you. That is it's the first of that I'm seeing it, and I'm thinking, oh gosh, like I honestly, if I'm ever going to watch it, it's just like, oh, what creative things are you going to say about me now? No, you know, like what can you come up with? I want to know. 
it's very it's 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 very passe it's it's all very empty and nothing uh very little odd interaction i didn't think we'd, be, we'd end up talking about something like this it's not really the purview of this show but hey it's always nice to have a little bit of beetle drama there was a little bit of beetle drama going on facebook a couple of weeks ago in another un- unrelated thing i'm not going to say i'm above uh, indulging in a little bit of tea of course i'm british so that makes sense of course. Uh, let's uh, let's start wrapping this up. What were some of your personal highlights of the 2023 Fest for Beatle fans, both socially and professionally, shall we say? Socially, it was just, it's always nice to be able to see old friends at the Fest because from, like, I met so many people last year at both Fests. So it was just a highlight getting to come back. And now, you know, I know a lot more people. I'm not going in there alone. So there's a friend at every corner. Everywhere you look, you're going to see someone you know. So it was nice to have that little bit of validation there and just knowing that I was not there by myself. And then another highlight was getting to speak on a Gen Z panel, which I did not get to before. So oh, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Let's talk about this. Yeah. I mean, the attendance was... The attendance was a little bit lower than what it was in Chicago, but, you know, it was still great. It was a whole panel just dedicated to the younger fans of the next generation. And, you know, no one was there to, you know, tell me I was wrong about anything. Like anyone in the audience was supportive and they were asking questions because they were curious. And a lot of the younger fans, my age, even younger, that I was seeing walking around the fest all weekend attended that panel. And I thought, yes, you know, this is good. We're going to have this conversation. It's going to be great. And it was a great time. Um, So... It, on these panels, um, what uh, what are the adjudicators doing? Are they are, are they mostly coming up with topics and then giving that out to the audience, or was it mostly just Q and A? It was the Gen Z one specifically was a lot of Q and A, but then for most of the other panels, it was a lot of whoever was moderating would kind of just throw out questions to the group, and then we'd all be going back and forth with each other. You'd maybe get a little bit of audience input, but it was a bit of both. Did you do any get? Um, I remember last year you were you did a game uh, where you had to like guess the song or something. Oh yeah, name that tune. It was name yeah. that tune in trivia. I, since I've become a staff member, no one's told me that I can't play it. But it just feel it would feel wrong if I. <laughs> I feel like I need to leave that like for the actual guests to go up and play and win prizes because I mean, you know, truth be told, I could probably sneak into that prize basket if I wanted to to grab some stuff. <laughs> But it's fun. I play along as an audience member. Like when I hear the songs, I'm like playing in my head and thinking, oh, it's that one. Oh, it's that one. Or, oh, I know the answer to that. So I still get a little bit of that. No, if I was in your shoes, I'd definitely walk away with 20 pads of like Hyatt Regency notepad paper, 40 pens, light bulbs, um, pillow pillowcases. Oh, yeah, I'd clean it out 100%. 100%. No, the prizes are a bit more exclusive than that. <laughs> no. Uh... It's all Beatle related. Miss Mooney, uh, why do you have six copies of Anthology on vinyl in your handbag? No reason, officer. No reason. I wanted a little bit of a souvenir from the weekend. You know, all these are different pressings. You know, this one was... Good album! It's a good album. Australia. This is the United States, you know. It's just average for a Beatles fan. You wouldn't get it. It's uh, not a fade bomb. It does sound like a magical place. It really it really does. Um, I mean, how, how many people directly were there? Uh, number I could not tell you. That's a question yeah. for Mister Mark Lapidos. I don't know the exact yeah. attendance, but there was a good crowd. Awesome. The crowd is always the best on Saturday. That's my piece of advice. If any of you are thinking of going just for one day, go on Saturday. That's where the most is happening, and they're not packing up yet. You know, everybody's still moving and grooving, getting into fest mode. That's the big day. 
Any other tips for fans? Is there a lot of like time management planning involved to make sure you hit everything? Oh, yes. Or yeah. Oh yeah. Well, the schedule gets put out um, about a week before fest and you definitely need to go in with some kind of a plan because <laughs> there's so much happening, like different rooms, different times, different people. And you got to like prioritize yourself. You got to say, okay, well, I definitely have to be at this. I can't miss it. Here's something, you know, if I have the time I want to go to, or, oh, this is something I've never done before. And I want to check it out going in with, it's stressful to plan, but going in with a plan is essential. And also if you're staying at the hotel and you don't want to spend a lot of money on food, pack snacks, pack a lot of snacks and hydrate. Hydration was also important there because I feel like I got a little bit dehydrated on some of the panels and I thought, oh my God, get me water. Oh man. Oh, I am tempted. Finding the time to eat even. Cause like I'm running around like crazy going to different rooms all over the place. And then I'm like, wait, I have 10 minutes free. I have to eat lunch. (laughs) But yeah, it's time management in itself, whether you're there as a guest or if you're on staff, you just got to know what you're doing and when and have a general schedule. And that helps. I could just imagine that invisible Ray video, but it's but but it's you also eating a ham sandwich at the same time. Like, oh, excuse, excuse me, um, oh. me on the panel. Oh, excuse me, I'm going to race. Yeah, exactly. That's me. Mm. Oh, just the, the, hey Ray, the, the, I'm giving the, you good content. If you want to use it right now, feel free. <laughs> Let me know what younger, you come up with. Let's collab. The younger generation like this sandwich are being embraced by me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, look. Uh, I think we've covered it all there. I think we've done a thorough investigation, a report on where to be in the Beatles world, as long as you were in that specific part of the world. It is, oh, it's making me very green indeed. What other things are coming up in the near future? How many dozen more events are coming your way? Oh, gosh. Well, tomorrow I will be attending. Tomorrow? Tomorrow. Already had a good time. 24 hours. Okay. All right. (laughs) I will be a little less than 24 hours. I will be going to City Winery in New York City for their weekly Beatles brunch, the band Strawberry Field. Fields? Strawberry Fields. They're going to be playing. They do this every week, but Mm -hmm. it's an extra special event tomorrow because Mei Pang is having a photography exhibit there to promote her movie, The Lost Weekend, A Love Story, coming out in theaters April 13th. (laughs) I've been doing social media work for her on that and some promotion, so this is a free plug, Mei. Everyone go see her movie. I've seen it a few times now. It is absolutely fantastic. It's going to change the way you see her story with John, and it might even change your opinions about Yoko as well. That's all I can say. Interesting. I need to form some opinions on Yoko first, and then I'll have them changed. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll come you know back what? To do a review on the movie for another episode. I think I'm. I think I'm going to hire you. Have May come on here. You should have May come on your podcast, even though it's Paul McCartney specific. No, that would that would literally be me having to cram and learn everything about her 48 hours prior. I'll give and you the, a crash course. And the, <laughs> you go cram like you've never crammed before. Oh, I'll call God. her right now. <laughs> Sam, sorry, she's, she's on her way. Oh, shit, okay. <laughs> so, May, you were with George Harrison for how long? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, don't even. So this was the found fortnight, right? No. Um, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. This is this is terrible. <laughs> Cutting this out. Cutting this that's, out, folks. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest event that I've got is tomorrow. And then next up, I think it's um, – I mean, if it's anything Beatles-related, you could say I'm going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in May to check out the Beatles Get Back to Let It Be exhibit since it was extended. Ooh. 
Okay. So that's a level trip. That's not anything like formal or official in terms of content creation. That's just for funsies. I'm going with a friend. So you're and saying you're not making a classic road trip vlog video for it? I'm gonna real. vlog. I'm gonna vlog the day at the museum. I <laughs> but I need to give myself a break. I'm not doing the whole trip. I'm just gonna do. Okay, we're going. Okay, we're leaving. Goodbye, and that's it. But I cannot wait. I've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before, but this exhibit is new, and I'm excited to see it. And then obviously, oh. I believe I'll be heading to Chicago in August for the next fest. That is something to think about, even though I'm still decompressing from this last one. Double fest, Jesus. Is there a lot of crossover? Um, is there like a New York crowd and then a Chicago crowd, or does it kind of There's, bleed over? You, it bleeds over a little bit. You do have the ones exclusively to New York and exclusively to Chicago, but then you have mainly it's mainly like the staff is kind of the same for both maybe like give and take a few just because of Mm. like where we are locally and then guests are usually different that's obviously not a lot of people want to like spend the money to fly all the way out to chicago or all the way out to new jersey right we need to trick them into thinking that my show's like a kind of joe rogan sized thing then i'll get my flight paid for perfect scam and then i'll I'll just come in. I'll have a fake entourage with me. I'll get, I'll like pay a bot farm to boost my numbers up. Yep. I think we can get something going here. I think we can. <laughs> what can go wrong? Smash cut to six, six, six months later. Mr. Wiles put down the knife. <laughs> oh God. I don't want to be a part of that if that's where this story is going to go. No, but it's one of those movies where it's like, I bet you wonder how I ended up here. No, literally. The freeze frame of you just like, this summer, jumping. <laughs> things are about to get. Yeah, anyway, uh, right, folks. This, this this has been a very loose and informal uh, report on the music of Paul McCartney at Carnegie Hall and the Festival Beatles fans, both in 2023. My guest today has been Skylar Moody, my reporter in the field, my eyes on the ground. Thank you so much for Thank your you for having duty. Me. Oh, it's been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure. I told you I would get you on the show i still now got to uh, keep up that promise for about seven other people but i'll get round to it yeah, cycle through everybody yes I then do. we'll come back <laughs> yes and then you recycle and recycle again it's content 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 that is what exactly. we're taking away from this episode folks never stops I, never no honestly it never it it never does i've had a week off and i was waking up in the night literally, literally thinking about okay I could do notes for an hour now. No, Sam, you're on holiday. I've been doing the same thing. I'm writing down TikTok ideas in the middle of the night, just like, because I know I'm like, I'm not going to remember this in the morning. Where's my phone? I cannot rest anymore. But that is a topic of conversation for another day. I just I just picked someone picking up the book thinking, oh my God, Scott has got a dream diary. And then, <laughs> a dream and diary then, is the notes app on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a bunch of tic- TikTok ideas. Oh my God, it's funny. Literally. Right, folks, thank you. This has been another episode of Paul or Nothing. Peace and love, peace and love. Harry, Harry, Krishna. No more autographs. Play us out, Denny.